Hey you. I'm Kim. And I'm Tara. Welcome to Unapologetically You. We've all heard of various forms of trafficking, but today's guest Dana gives us a firsthand look into the aftermath of adoption trafficking. Dana shares with us a memory of being abducted at four years old and placed into an orphanage in India. She brings to light the corruption that can exist in international adoption. Stay tuned for Dana's unimaginable story. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you. Welcome, Dana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tara and Kim, for having me here uh, on your show. Dana, I don't even know where to begin. You have a wild story. So why don't we start with how did you as a child get abducted? I can only remember being uh, abducted uh, at the age of four and being thrown in a rice sack. And uh, someone, the stranger, was carrying me on his back and um, traveling to God knows where. And that was my first traumatic experience uh, of as a young girl of, of my story. So that I don't remember my family's faces, but the time that I got abducted from them. Right, right. And what country was this in that you were abducted from? In India. In India. Yeah. And so when you get abducted, where do you go from there? What? So you got thrown in this rice sack. What happened then? I don't know how long uh, the stranger was traveling by foot, but I know it was like all night and all day because um, it, it felt like he had either put chloroform over my mouth or something because I just kept feeling tired and I just couldn't ponder on why I was constantly sleepy, but I, but I don't think this total stranger was picking up on that. I kept waking up and uh, understanding and picking up on my senses and my surroundings where I was at in the daylight or whether it was nighttime, um, hearing the birds chirping and just, just my surroundings. That's the only way that I could gather my thoughts and and where i was at and um just remembering just uh vivid pieces of it um so by that time uh, whether uh, throughout the whole day all night we finally make it to the train station and um have taken the train to god knows where and we last land at pune india Wow. So when you got on the train, were you were you still like that in that in and out of sleep state or were you aware at that point then? By that time, because the journey was so long, I was not in the in and out of uh, the okay. state in mm-hmm. the train ride. But I do know that I was in the train because I wake up in the train, but I just couldn't escape out of the rice sack. Oh, my goodness. Gosh, as a four-year-old, that's terrifying. That's terrifying at any age, but as a little girl, oh my goodness, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Can you remember anything about that time, like what you were feeling or thinking when you woke woke up on the and realized you're on the train, but you're still in the sack? Well, I know that I wasn't as frightened as I was feeling when I was on that stranger's back, hung over his back like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. but I felt a little more of sense of relief in the train uh, it, per se. And I don't know mm-hmm. why um, yeah. it's, it's like, you can sense like you're, you're a little bit better. 
you know, that's how I felt, you know, and then from that time, I just couldn't remember how I even got out of the train, honestly, at the, because, because the police at the train station said that I was begging for money. And I don't, honestly, I think because I was so traumatized, I don't think I even remember the part that Um, because I saw another girl begging for money. I decided to beg for money too, but I just remember, I don't know how I escaped out, how I even got out because I remember trying to escape out of the RISAC in the train and I couldn't, it was too tight. It was tied too tight. um, So I have no idea or recollection of um, how I even landed outside of the train station. Mm I mean, at the train station outside yeah. of the train. Yeah. So then once you get out to the train station, what happens next? Well, the uh, police officer at the train station uh, brings me to the orphanage uh, since I was uh, found as a missing girl. And I was, he stated that I was begging for money. And in the other girl, uh, he brought her to the orphanage along with me. So that's where we were brought. So how long at that point, so you're four years old, you get to this orphanage. Were you in that orphanage for a long time? Yeah, I actually went to school uh, at that orphanage. Um, That orphanage is no longer up. It's been demolished. And there's a, from my understanding, there's a mall in its place. Okay. But then they transferred me to another orphanage, which is still up till this day. But they have a new building than what it used to be. Because back in the days, it was like a castle type of building. Sure. Yeah. When I was uh, abducted from my family, I know um, that was the first thing of being child trafficked. You know, and um, and I don't know what exactly happened or what took place for me to even land in the orphanage. Um, but um, I'm not sure if this was um, adoption trafficking or what it was. But I won't really know exactly um, the full story until I go on a journey of finding my birth family, which I'm currently doing right now. Wow. Yeah, I'm look, looking for my birth family. I'm linked up with this program in India. Obviously, they can't do much right now because of the COVID. Yeah. Right. I've been set to uh, trying to do a documentary film. So I'm trying to raise awareness, but at the same time, trying to raise funds for a documentary film right now. And also just go on a journey to finding my birth family and hoping to bring some people along to... Um, um, go on a journey with me and so they can see that I'm a real human being who got feelings and and this is nothing to play with. <laughs> Interesting that you said adoption trafficking. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So is that is that something were you eventually adopted once you were at that orphanage? Yes, I was. I was I was eventually adopted, came to America here, and I went through abuse. I went through neglection. I went through um, trauma even more. Um, and that's what created PTSD in my life. And I'm taking some meds to lower my anxiety, PTSD, sure. while it's helping me to control my emotions and stuff that I'm not able to on my own is allowing me to control it so that way I can be normal as much as possible. 
to carry out my life. Um, and uh, so I'm just hoping to, you know, maybe uh, gain some uh, more therapeutic sessions um, to help to be a better me, a healthier me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hypnotism um, to help remember what my mind uh, buried from the trauma and help yeah. the program to uh, um, get more information out of me. That's what I'm willing to do, you know, or if it's Reiki or whatever the case is, I I'm willing to do it. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. So you said that you like experienced more trauma and you now have PTSD. Was that from obviously the experience in and of itself, right? That that in there makes sense. But in that orphanage and then once you got adopted, was there further traumatic experiences that happened at both places? Yes, there was. There was. And um and that's where it has led me to uh growing up by myself because from that I went into shelters and foster homes and then got adopted again. And then finding my family, second pet family couldn't handle me being a traumatized child, teen to being on my own. So yeah, yeah. So I was, I'm, a, I'm responsible for myself as an adult. So I can nobody do it since my family who I did have didn't take care of the responsibility to do it. So, okay. So hold on though. So the first family that adopted you, you ended up getting readopted by a different family. Yes. At the age of 17. Yes. And oh just, just to find myself being by myself again. <laughs> getting abducted as a four-year-old, that is traumatic. Going through an orphanage is also just as traumatic because you're yearning for that relationship that you're that you're lacking from the, those parents, from a parent, from a adult, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get adopted. And was that first family were they just unable to work through or help you, or was it that they didn't? They really truly didn't. They were just abusive, uh, and I feel like it was just for the money case, um, money situation, because, you know, with taxes, you can get more money for adopting an international child. So I felt like I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I did not come to America until I was eight years old. So I, you know, I had four years of my life in the orphanage until I arrived here in America. How long were you with that first family from, were you adopted right away then at eight? So I, with my first family, I was with them at the age of eight until almost 12 years old. So 11 years old. And okay. then that's when I was in shelters and uh, foster home. Oh my goodness. So then you lived in the foster care system until 17, where you got adopted again. Um, that specific family, is that was that a family that helped guide you along this or were they too, uh, they were struggled? They struggled. I, at that point, I, you know, I'm a teenager. I'm not just a teenager who's uh, suffering through PTSD and going through traumatic situation of my past that, because I never got the proper um, help that I needed, even through the state. I, often people say like, when people have had traumatic childhoods, and then they that leads into like a young adulthood that's even a little traumatic, because you're still working through it. How did you get to where you are today? I mean, after my second adoptive parents, there was a group home that I went and lived in. They uh, pretty much 
prepared me as much as they can for the world. Like I have to write a resume and I have to get a job and just the basic stuff that I needed to know, you know, grocery shop and stuff like that. Yeah. Even though like they could not replace the deeper stuff that I needed, but they did give me the basic stuff. And just when I thought I was ready to go off on my own, uh, I got scared even more uh, when I did experience the world and I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. So reality set in when I did experience the world and it took a long time because of my identity issues that I was dealing with. You know, when you're fighting your identity issues, especially growing up, it, it becomes even more of a struggle. It didn't it didn't take place until my late 20s, believe it or not, until I finally started balancing things out in my life and 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 becoming a little bit more stable. So in my early 30s, I bought my first property. Yeah. The fact that you are where you are today is I mean, that is a gift from God right there, sister. Like there are so many people who trying to get through that on their own don't ever get through that, you know, and they they start looking towards other things to escape their reality. And you ended up diving right in and figuring it out and here you are. Yeah, years later, it really took years later when I felt like I couldn't make it. It really took God uh, in, in that sense. And, you know, and I think because of my past and because of abuse, the energy of abuse that that followed followed me, you know, when I'm searching to have my own flesh and blood, uh, blood uh, relatives, I finally have my own. And right now, as of we speak right now, I'm going through a divorce because of abuse. So, I mean, your journey obviously is still ongoing. You know, you're still learning to really be you and accept you and work through some of these issues that you've had, what advice would you have to, to other people who basically don't quite know what trafficking is? You know, like to me, like you just opened up my eyes. I didn't even realize that trafficking like had this whole separate adoption trafficking. Like yeah. are there signs, are there things that we as people should be looking out for? I mean, yeah, uh, it's a traffic person doesn't look like your uh, normal everyday traffic person where you, you know, they, they don't just look like sexually being assaulted, you yeah. know, yeah. They, and they don't just look like labor uh, enforcement or um, organ trafficking. It yeah. looks similar, but they, they are being uh, trafficked for, you know, there are, and I'm not saying that all, um, uh, you know, orphanages are in behind this, but um, there are majority of orphanages that are um, taking children for a certain amount of money and um, having people out there abduct kids from the street or under their family's nose or whatever, and just so they can be adopted out for thousands and thousands of dollars. And and that's why people need to know, why do you think international adoption is so expensive, crazy expensive? 10,000 and above, 35,000, whatever it costs to get a child from uh, another country. That's what trafficking looks like. You know, trafficking is not your everyday ordinary where a missing child from the street. You bring up such a valid point though. Like, I mean, adoption, this, it's something 
both Tara and I have a, several friends who have had uh, fertility issues. And so there have been different people who have talked about adopting. And that was one of the things right off the bat was like, oh my gosh, like international adoption is so expensive. And, you know, I get that it's going to come at a cost because there's paperwork and there's all sorts of different right. legality forms. But like to put a price on a human life of a child of like, that's that, completely backwards. You can't say that a baby is worth $35,000, you know, like if we were really doing the good work for these children and for humans, it wouldn't cost that much. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. What have you learned about yourself going through this entire process? In, in my weakest place, when I feel vulnerable and weak, I'm more stronger than what I think and feel because there's not a day that I'm not living and breathing, still breathing this breath, waking up, still giving the enemy a black eye because I'm living. <laughs> I think he's more scared of me than I am scared of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think has been the hardest part about your journey? Not really getting the support that I've been really needing. Why, why should I be judged so hard because of, of, of my past or what I'm going through? Right. And there are experiences that were out of your control. Like none of this was anything you asked for. And that, like, that is truthfully the whole point of our podcast is that most of us, the experience that have happened to us were not asked from us. They just happened to us. And we have to work through those and recognize that all of that, all of that garbage isn't going to define who you are and what you become. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point. And that's why I have on my Facebook, thehumantraffickinginc.com is my website, as well as danapriyankahammond.com is my author website. This is my life story that I, I put in this book, Abandoned But Not Forgotten, on being trafficked and as well as going through abuse in America. So I'm glad to finally release this book out uh, when I released it this year alone before it was like beginning stage of when the COVID hit, that's when it came out. Yeah. What do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners? I just know that I want people to be able to hear me more and me to be able to share my story so people can rise above their storm as well. And, and if they feel that they're you know, pressed down in their life and they could have went through the similar things as I have, um, maybe by them reading my story or something that they can feel encouraged and inspired and motivated to be healed and delivered themselves. Well, Dana, I mean, your journey is far from over and we wish you nothing but the best of luck trying to find your birth family. We can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. But before you go, we have just some super fun, lighthearted pop questions. So the first question is, if you could have an endless supply of anything, what would it be? Of course, money. <laughs> That's a great one. If you were a superhero, what would your power be? To be able to change the world. Oh, I love oh, that. That's a great one. What is your most used emoji? I don't have one. Heart. The heart. Very good. <laughs> What's your stance on pineapple on pizza? I love pineapple on pizza. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> and then are you a morning person or are you a night owl? Morning person. Us too. Yeah, us too, for sure. Dana, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's absolutely been inspirational and incredible. And like Kim said, we wish you the best of luck in finding your birth family. Thank you so much for being unapologetically you. Thank you so much. Bye, you guys.
We're so happy you joined us, and we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Instagram and Facebook at unapologeticallyyoupodcast. And please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you.